You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and usually Arthur Parkinson. But because I have a chef with me today, Claire Thompson, Arthur's taken the week off. And I just want to explain a little bit about Claire because she's one of the first people that I've had on the podcast who I haven't previously met. And that is sort of quite unusual in a way because normally I have a connection. But I do have a connection with Claire, which is a mutual, absolute, obsessive passion for tomatoes. And that's why I wanted to chat to Claire today, because it obviously is peak tomato moment. And a friend of mine came for the weekend about two months ago and bought me Claire's new book, which is called Tomato, surprise, surprise. And it has 60 recipes, all tomatoes, you know, about two thirds fresh and then about a third are tinned or stored tomatoes. And as they're one of my absolute passions in life, they're probably number three, tulips, dahlias and tomatoes are my three passions in life. So it seemed pretty apt that I got Claire on. Welcome, Claire. It's lovely to have you and talking everything tomato. Thanks for having me on. My three passions uh, would be tomatoes, lemons and olive oil, but that's that's our difference. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I can't quite grow lemons very well here and I have tried growing olives, but I haven't succeeded. But um, one day I will have an olive grove in Crete. That's my my um, nice. my fantasy. Anyway, Claire, will you, will you tell us a little bit about your background so we sort of get up to speed of how you've got to where you are as a chef uh, working in Bristol? Of course. Well, I am a chef by trade. So I um, I went to university and studied journalism and then ditched university at the end and uh, went off traveling and discovered cooking in professional restaurants around the world. So Australia, some of Thailand, China, wow. and just ended up cooking in my 20s and loving it. Got the bug completely. It, it sort of in my 20s, the machismo of kitchens was quite exciting and uh, ended up yeah, being a, a professional chef and, and forgetting about my journalism degree. And then children came along and the two, uh, a restaurant, don't really dovetail very well with being a new mum. No. So I started um, writing about what I was cooking and and from there it's kind of snowballed and it's been brilliant. I've I've stayed with the same editor who, who's my publisher. Oh, that's fair. So who who is that? It's quadrille. So it was Sarah, Sarah Lavelle, really. She's, she's championed me from the beginning. My first book was written with uh, breastfeeding my baby uh, about feeding children and sort of like, I don't know how I wrote it. When I look back at it now, I think, God, I was sitting in a cafe with, a, she was 10 weeks old when I started mm. writing it. And now this is 10, it'll be 10 years on next year. So, wow. and I've got seven books to my name. So I, I think I'm, I, I think I'm right in saying I'm a professional chef, but probably pretty much a professional author now too. Yeah, a cookery writer. Absolutely. And why tomatoes? What, what took you to particularly tomatoes? Well, they are, as suggested, one of my top three ingredients. And um, yes. well, for the last sort of three years, I've been working a bit with them, um, the Isle of Wight Tomato Farm. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they've yeah. been sort of sending me their tomatoes and I've been coming up with the recipes for them. So Sarah at Quadrille sort of said the natural synergy there would be to do a tomato book completely on tomatoes. So 
very much, you know, people said, how did you come up with, I think it's 80 recipes, but uh, I probably could have done double that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the thing yeah. of tomatoes is that they're just so versatile. And when you look at the journey of where they started in the world and where they've gone in the world, there's just a gallimuffry of cuisines and cooking you can cook with tomatoes. And that's quite exciting, I think. So it was an easy choice really to do as a cookbook. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've loved about it is there's some really wonderful Indian recipes, you know, as well as the sort of what I suppose I, I do, which is the kind of classic Mediterranean kitchen stuff. And, and we'll come on to recipes in a bit. But tell us about, I mean, there's the most amazing curry in here, which I thought was very exciting. The butter chicken. Yeah. Tell us about butter chicken. So the thing about tomatoes is they started off in South America and then went through with the Spanish well, invasion really, and through into Europe and up into Northern Africa and India and beyond. And so it's brilliant that every culture has almost said, oh, tomatoes, they're, they're our cuisine. That's what we do with them. Yes. And so whilst we can get stuck in that mozzarella, tomato, basil mindset, I think if you look at where tomatoes are used in the world, you've got this, the scope for cookery is, is insane. So butter chicken is, is, a, is a lovely, creamy, tomato-based curry, very, very rich. So, um, you know, I love cooking from all over the world. I've traveled extensively and grown up elsewhere than Britain as a kid. So I feel like that's what's exciting about food and cooking is that you can, as long as you're reverential to where you're cooking from and you acknowledge the people that, you know, taught you those recipes, it's quite exciting yes, food yes. In, that, in that aspect. So that's the strand, really. I mean, another recipe that I particularly was drawn to as a massive pizza fan, to be honest, and when our kids were growing up, one of the things that we've always had is a pizza oven and, you know, the whole wood-fired thing. And it's it's really marvellous, that whole, you know, slightly that ceremonial lighting of the oven and all that. But I love the idea of doing a pizza in a frying pan. I mean, that's just genius, I think. Do you know what we we were doing? Our, we've moved house this last year um, after the pandemic. But in, during the pandemic, we had no kitchen, and we were living in, living in a different house, and we didn't have a kitchen. And my kids kept asking for pizzas, and um, yeah, frying pan pizzas are brilliant. I think they're just as good as a mm. pizza done in a wood burning oven. They puff and have that bubbly, chewy texture, which is particularly attractive. So yeah, frying pan pizzas are winning. They sound uh, like they might be difficult to do, but they're actually very easy. Yeah. And then I like your tip because I have to say I do rather like the mozzarella over the top, but I love your tip that you can cook them and then just put them under a hot grill with your mozzarella. And then, you know, you either have them without cheese or as you have them with Parmesan over the top or you shove them under the grill. I think that's brilliant. And the sort of more Middle Eastern use of the tomato. I love your uh, roasted tomato falafels. They look amazing. I haven't made those yet, but they look fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, falafels are great, aren't they? And tomatoes, you know, I've had, I'm sure we all have had those awful dry falafels that sometimes, you know, get served everywhere but my my own home. Uh, but yeah. like a roast tomato in the mix makes them really moist and juicy and you'd sort of, like the, that negates that kind of dry rubble that sometimes passes yeah. as falafels. <laughs> dry rubble, that's a good description. So do you do a bit of that like sunblushed or sunkissed, that sort of slow roasting and... And because obviously we can't sun dry them. Well, of course, we could have done this year probably, but most of the time we can't sun dry them. Do you do any of that preserving stuff? Well, obviously there's chutneys, ketchup. You know, ketchup's got such a rich history in itself. You know, there's there's those sorts of things that I've given at the beginning of the book. Yeah. And, you know, I really didn't want it to be a book of just the summer fresh tomatoes. I wanted it to be a book that took you through the season. So, you know, I think 
things like tomato puree are looked upon as some sort of inferior ingredient. But I think good tomato puree is such an asset to have in your store cupboard. Yes. And the good stuff should taste of like sun-dried tomatoes, really. It's like distilled tomatoes, super yeah. strong and cheap to buy. And what they deliver in flavor is brilliant. So I wanted to include things that had preserved tomatoes, tin tomatoes, puree tomatoes and and then also give a sort of condiments that you make with tomatoes yeah and do you do that I mean I remember being in an Italian farmhouse kitchen a few years ago or 10 or 15 years ago and actually interestingly there was a Ukrainian there and they were doing their bottling of their whole harvest and they had this sort of massive cauldron on the fire and boiling them and boiling them and boiling them. And they took them out and they wrapped them up in all their jerseys and their blankets so that they cooled really slowly. And apparently that makes them much longer storing. And I rather loved all that. But I, like you say, I never have, I, I eat so many tomatoes, I never seem to have a glut that I'm then prepared to to store. Yes. I mean, there's a romance in all that, isn't there? And I really love that about food and cookery that, you know, we live in, a, in an age where everyone wants everything in 30 minutes and with only five ingredients and stuff. And that's useful sometimes to cook like that for, for home life and family life. But sometimes it's really nice to sort of take a recipe and 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 know the sort of history of it and why you make it. And, and things like, you know, like a ketchup is, is really wonderful to if you have not so much a glut that, you know, you haven't used yourself, but if you go past a veg shop, for example, here in Bristol, I've got many and they're cheap, you know, and you can buy a big load of tomatoes. That's quite exciting to sometimes tackle recipes that aren't all quick 30 minute, five ingredient recipes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you've got a lot. I mean, there's three or four, hasn't there? There's two tomato and chili jams and and tomato chutneys. There's lots of way if you have got a glut and you're wanting to store away things with your tomatoes now, maybe not ripening so well then there are lots of recipes in this book, which are fantastic. And we'll put, by the way, I should mention, we'll put any of the sort of key recipes that we're talking about in the podcast notes so so you can have them. And one recipe that honestly I've never heard of before, which I really wanted you to just chat through, was the burnt tomato salsa. So, you know, obviously we all know from Ottolenghi and from Honey & Co, or not we all do, but lots of us who cook, know about the burning of the aubergine and the burning of the pepper, which I was taught when I was a waitress at the River Cafe 30 years ago. But I've never tried burnt tomato. (laughs) And I love the idea of that. Will you just talk us through how you discovered that and how you make it? Yes. So I've actually never been to Mexico, which is my next place to go traveling. But, um, you know, as I said about in in recipe writing, if if you'll acknowledge that, and I think it's safe to say that you, you can use recipes from elsewhere in the world. So a burnt tomato salsa gives a beautiful texture to this salsa. I'm actually going to make some later on this afternoon. And you're just blistering and sort of blackening the skins of the tomato and they'll sort of like combust within themselves. Yeah. And then you're just going to get those on a big chopping board and chop that up with lots of lime. And you're also blackening the garlic and the red onion, lots of coriander. And you're making this condiment, I suppose, to yes. serve alongside... Uh, Mexican cuisine, so tacos or, or, you know, what have you. But um, you're making a really punchy, flavoursome. You know, tomatoes have everything. They have acidity, they have sweetness, they have they carry salt beautifully, they've got umami. So, you know, when you ramp up that flavour by blistering and blackening them, you're just, you know, you're just harnessing all that and giving it more oomph, really. And that's what's quite exciting. I think Mexican cuisine is is so exciting because it uses all those flavours in, in tandem and it's, really, it's a really delicious one. 
Yes. And, and are you using some of the blackened skin or are you taking that off? And- no, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing that tonight. And the other thing, or maybe not tonight, but at the weekend, the other thing um, that I love is the grated tomato. And I spend quite a lot of time in Greece. And over the years, I've cooked with quite a lot of Greek people, women mainly. And they always, always grate their tomatoes. They tend not to skin them. They tend to just grate them with the skin on. And it's odd. It gives, it just does give them a different uh, flavor as well as texture. And I wondered if you just talk you, us through that because I've seen that you've got them with a grilled sardine in the book. And I thought that looked wonderful and fresh. A bit of ginger in there with the sauce as well. It's quite a nice grated ginger with the grated tomato. And what you get by grating tomatoes is you get all that seed and those membranes kind of break down and makes it more sort of viscous, the sauce. So yeah. it's kind of ethereal, the sort of texture of it. It takes on something different. It's not like a whizzed up tomato sauce that yes. becomes all homogenous. It's got these, well, it's got a really delicate sort of viscous texture, which is really yeah. nice and suited to something like a barbecued sardine. It's got, you know, the playing of flavors is nice on your palate with that. You've got the char of the of the grill of the sardines and then you've got that tomato sauce with a bit of ginger which gives a bit of heat and sort yeah. of freshness yeah fabulous so maybe if you wouldn't oh well, i know what i haven't asked you yet is do you have favorite varieties of tomatoes okay <laughs> so i've eaten a lot of tomatoes in the writing of this book but you know as a chef i would say that my favorite tomato in a tin would be a san Marzano tomato yeah they have a a, a beautiful sort of dense flesh that can carry more flavor I think so they are my favorite tin tomato variety and I feel pretty resolute in that as for fresh you know I think when in season like we are now on a hot day there's no tomato that isn't a good tomato is there yeah. so like the shape and size of them determines how you're going to use them in your cooking so a gorgeous big beef tomato you know on a really hot day like this is a recipe in the book where I might thinly slice that like a sort of carpaccio and make a black olive tapenade and rock it and serve that as a salad yeah but you know you know a lovely normal sort of normal what is normal there's 10,000 varieties of tomatoes so there is no normal tom- <laughs> tomato yeah. but you know how whatever tomatoes come come by my way in my cooking at home will tell me what I'm going to do with them like a cherry tomato is a lovely thing and sometimes cherry tomatoes just like a little tiny burst of heat and that just combusts them and makes them extra juicy and flavorsome so yes i can't say i have a favorite fresh tomato because i love all tomatoes but as for tinned i think samazano definitely okay very good and um the other thing that i just wanted to touch on is i used to be a doctor and so i'm really interested in the in the sort of nutritional side of food as well i mean not in you know in a very earnest way but just in a general interest way and um so we've been trialing quite a few varieties here, which are not just red, which is the pigment called lycopene, but also the red and black. So they've got the anthocyanin from blueberries along with the lycopene. So they've got tomato red and then that sort of weird black coloring. And um, have, have you sort of experimented? I mean, I, in my experience, some of them are wonderful, like black crim, which is from the Crimea. But uh, there's one called Indigo Rose, which has that same colouring. And I just wondered whether you'd played with any of those and, and how to use those in cooking. I haven't used any black tomatoes. I did see a bull's heart tomato. There's a lovely tomato seed grower I've been following on Instagram who's doing like heritage seeds. And I saw him posting on these bull heart ones, which were black black and sort of red stripe that looked really delicious but no I haven't grown any myself the kids and I have got some cherry tomatoes in pots in the garden 
growing. But um, as I said, we just moved here this house last year. So yeah, this we've got this big garden to do what we want with it. And it's quite exciting. So yeah, but no, I've just got cherry tomatoes with Dot and I growing them. And I've got my nine-year-olds really into the garden. Okay. And w- do you, will you have a greenhouse one day? Because then tomatoes will be even happier in there. Yeah. <laughs> my, my stepdad's got a greenhouse and he grows brilliant tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they like heat, don't they? They like, they like heat, heat. Yeah. time on the vine. Yeah. And they like to be sort of str- the struggle for water at the end, don't they? They don't like to be overwatered. Exactly, exactly. So I just wanted to sort of finish with a couple of things. One is, uh, tell me about your photographer, um, Sam Folan. I haven't, I haven't heard of them, but they did all the photographs in the book, didn't they? You did the food styling. Yes. I'm not a chef who writes cookery books who has a food stylist. I, I, I want yeah. to make the food in, in my cookery books because I know how I want it to look. I don't want it to be fussed about with. I'm a chef and, I, and I'm also a mum and a home cook and I want it to be able to be achieved by people. So Sam is a genius behind a camera lens and he's done uh, three of my books now and we're okay. firm friends. So um, okay. we're, we're, like, I love working with him. We're really tight you know, and he, he knows how I like to work and I, and I'm, I don't like to be, there's no pretensions in my, in my food and I, and I like to shoot it as it is. And all that food that we make in the cooking of a cookbook is eaten. So yes, yeah, it's quite good. It's a good, there's rule, no tweezers. That, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no tweezers and mm. no hairspray to give it extra sort of oily gloss. No, I think that's a very good rule. Excellent. So I suppose final thing, if you were to name one recipe in the book that all of us should do, and I will certainly put in the podcast notes, what would be your absolute favorite from here? Oh my goodness, that's so difficult to do. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, putting you on the spot. There is. I mean, it's good. It's not, it's not one for being healthy. Um, <laughs> I cooked it on, on telly the other day. It's a ricotta and mustard bread and butter pudding with roasted cherry tomatoes. That went down pretty well wow. when I cooked it. Um, Gosh. Yeah. So you're making a, essentially making a bread and butter pudding, but you're slathering the bread with Dijon mustard and ricotta, and then you're roasting it hard with loads of cherry tomatoes in it. And it comes up as a bubbling, lovely bread and butter pudding, but savory. That's How a pretty amazing. good one. Although you might need a little lie down after you've eaten. <laughs> I, I didn't spot that one. That sounds incredible. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. um, I'll definitely put that one in the podcast notes. Fabulous. Thanks so much for being here, Claire. And thanks so much for listening. Anything else, Claire, that you'd just like to tell us all? Thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, I'd probably like to flag that, I, that I'm a kind of keen Instagrammer in that I think it's quite a good space to practice what you're preaching so rather than sitting in some ivory tower writing about things you know I, I do post what I cook every single day and wow. um and I like that, that there's a kind of visual diary format to my food and so if anyone wants to check up on how I'm cooking something I'm finding it quite a useful space to show people how to cook like I do I, I'm very I'm a chef but I want people to be able to cook like I do I'm a I'm a keen believer that food should be easy and doable to be able to achieve at home with a child hanging off your leg at the same time. Very good. <laughs> and so you're Claire Thompson. I mean, that's how we find you. Five o'clock apron. Ah, brilliant. Okay, I'm glad I asked you that. Wonderful. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed hearing about all things tomato. Next week, Arthur's back with me and we're going to be talking about the sort of new trial things 
or new combinations of things that we've really loved in the garden this year at Perch Hill and in Arthur's garden and in Arthur's pots. So it's kind of new favourites really that we've absolutely loved this summer and early autumn. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.